Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast is provided by Subtruck Law. Revolution Recap thanks Subtruck Law for their support of our show, local independent media, and their mission of bringing unbiased truth. Revolution Recap would also like to thank Six Point Builders for their support. Six Point Builders are builders of fine, custom homes in the Boston metropolitan area. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. The New England Revolution maintained their unbeaten record at Gillette Stadium this season with a commanding 4-0 win over D.C. United. Gustavo Bo opened the scoring with a glancing header while Ian Harks scored goals on both sides of the halftime break, and D.C.U. put one into their own net for good measure. It was a strong night for many players, including Carlos Hill, who added another two assists to his tally and now leads MLS with 12 on the season and has seven assists in his last six games. I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today from Revs Nation is Andy Judd. Andy, how you doing? I'm good. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I'm glad to be here after a pretty commanding win. I think the last time I was on was after a, a pretty commanding loss, so it's it's nice to be on after uh, a good one. <laughs> I really rolled the dice with uh, having you on this week going into the League's Cup break. Uh, I, I really put that uh, home unbeaten streak on the line, uh, but we got through it, so uh, I'm glad you're here today. Uh, before we get to our um, key takeaways, and boy, there's a lot of places we can go, uh, I wanted to talk to you about our sponsor, Bet Bet BetOnline is your number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more, including Major League Soccer. Hopefully you were on the Revs money line yesterday at plus 130. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. And remember to use our promo code believe b-l-e-a-v for your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit that is promo code believe b-l-e-a-v for a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts andy let's get to you get to uh, our key takeaways brought to you by the rebellion go to any rebellion.org to learn more about them and how you can sign up to be a member of their group and potentially i know they had a cornhole tournament yesterday great success we have the supporters game coming up in a few weeks so if you want to get in on the supporters game i don't know if they have any more spots uh, or if you just want to learn about how you might be able to go to attend uh, make sure you go to nerebellion.org andy what's your key takeaway from last night's four nothing win uh, so, you know, I, I was watching this game and I'm, I'm trying to come up with t- key takeaways as I'm watching. And I, I, there were a couple of players who I thought were having pretty good games and, you know, I, I wanted to call them out. Uh, and then Ian Harks kind of came out and said, no, it's going to be about me. Um, and, and for, you know, for good reason, you know, right. He, he does very well. He scores two goals, but it's not just that um, for me. I thought he looked good all over the field. And and furthermore, I think he, he combined well with Carlos Heel, which was something that's if you want to be successful on this team, having chemistry with Carlos Hill is a pretty good prerequisite to have. Um, you know, he, I saw him on, especially on the second goal. I think it was a give and go with with Carlos, or you know, maybe a pass to Carlos. But then he he looks to fill some open space, uh, and then Carlos knows knows where to put the ball on that play. But uh, you know, in other places, uh, I saw him making passes to Carlos Hill that uh, I. I hadn't seen previous central midfielders do, you know, Polster will do it sometimes uh, where they are looking to eliminate defenders on the past Carlos Hill. Instead of having Carlos Hill come check back to the ball uh, and, and, you know, that 
you know, certainly Carlos can do things with the ball in that place, but he's, he's much more dangerous if you can get the ball to him further up the field where he can, you know, make a one-time pass or a quick decision and, and kind of unlock defenses like that. So if, if that's going to be the kind of, uh, you know, passing contribution that we're going to get from Harks, then I, I think it's a really good sign for this team. Uh, and I, I think he, he could be a very key contributor headed down the stretch here and in, into the fall. Yeah, a phenomenal game from Harks. I'm glad you focused on the uh, passing aspect and how well he's gelled so quickly in with his team and not just the uh, two goals. Uh, 94% pass accuracy from Ian Harks yesterday. Uh, he was two for two on shots, uh, 62 touches, two for two on dribbles, only two passes into the final third. But as you say, I think he connected very well with Carlos Hill and was very, very key uh, in position. Uh, one uh, a tackle, which obviously was the uh, led, led to the second goal where he uh, continues his run and Bobby Wood finds him for the breakaway, which ended up being a chip. Uh, and then he was five for seven uh, in ground duels. Uh, and, you know, it's funny, they bring in Sebastian Legette, they bring in Latif Blessing, uh, and those guys, I think, were heralded more as bigger signings, quote unquote. Uh, and Ian Harks kind of comes in as a minor signing. This guy who comes in on a free, he's he was released from D.C. a few years ago. He played in, in the Scottish Premier League. And, you know, n- not a lot of people, I think, were very high on this signing, but he's a perfect fit. He seems to know his role. He seems to know to stay available uh, for the outside backs, uh, for his other central midfielders, for Carles Hill. He seems to fit in very, very well. He seems to gel very, very well with this team. So a lot of people will t- look at the uh, uh, two goals uh, and, and look at that and say, man, this guy's really good. Uh, but don't ignore that 95% pass accuracy and just uh, how, how well he's able to uh, give other players an outlet and really help the team in possession. And I think that's something that Latif Blessing wasn't giving the team. Yeah, and I, I will add, you know, I was I was one of those people who was maybe a little skeptical when the signing was announced, and it didn't have anything to do with, with Ian Harks uh, specifically, but more so, you know, just continuing to add more and more bodies to, to central midfield, and I honestly, when, when we signed him, I didn't know if he was going to be a player that I thought was going to be a starter, um, and I, I don't know if that's uh, going to be the case still, with, especially with Mark Anthony Kay coming in. Um, but I did see enough, uh, especially last night, to know that he is he's capable of it. And, you know, that's you know, that's a good place to be. in. if you're going to make a signing for a position where you already have four or five other guys competing for one or two spots, then, you know, having a guy that that can be a starter is is making the most of that signing. I agree. It's a good it's a good option to have a guy that you sign as a backup. Uh, and it turns out he's uh, he's he's going to fight for minutes. He's going to win some minutes, it seems like. I, I, while we're touching on it, because we have this in the listener question mailbag later on in the show, I'll, I'll get to this one now, though, just since we're touching on it here. Uh, Garrett Whitlock, Supremacy, asks us, how would you rank the central midfield depth? Seems like they have a ton of options when everyone is healthy and or settled in. Good problem, of course, but not a lot of positional versatility among that group uh, either, I don't think. Uh, which I, I thought the last part of that, statement was a little interesting because I actually think they they with the K acquisition they do have a lot more versatility because the primarily the revs have played their diamond um, and you know Bruce Arena talked about coming into the season they want a little more speed they wanted some more options in the midfield um, but but I don't think they're necessarily giving up on the four two three one that's what they played last night I think with Chancalet coming in they might have a four two three one you know, formation to kind of suit his style too. So you can play the diamond. You can have Polster or K as a six, uh, but also those two guys I think could play 
in a 4-2-3-1 as one of your central midfielders. And then you have Buck and you have Harks. Uh, you have T-Mac coming back. Who knows what you're getting from him, though, coming off of an Achilles injury. Um, I, I think you have a ton of options and flexibility if you want to go to a diamond and have a true six uh, sitting back there in the defensive midfield. Or if you want to go to a 4-2-3-1 and now you have two guys in K and Polster who you could pay their, pair them together or they could be your kind of defensive minded player kind of in that 4-2-3-1. Um, so I, I, I think in terms of versatility, I think there are a ton of options, uh, I think, for and, and this isn't even including, you know, Maciel, who might come back from injury, McCoon, who I'm not high on and I'm not I would not be heartbroken if we never see him again. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there's other guys in the diamond, too, with I, I don't know if Sean Calais can play in the diamond, but Botang, Renex, Esmir, Jack B, uh, Damien Rivera, we saw yesterday. Uh, they have a ton of options, uh, I think, in that in that midfield. So, um, yeah, I I. I I'm excited about the moves they've made with Harks and, and Mark Anthony Kay, and I think this has made this team a lot more stronger in the central midfield, where I think previously before it was some sort of combination of Polster, Buck, and Blessing, and you kind of hope that they kind of hold it together somehow. Uh, so I, I, I think this is a good position to have. In terms of how I rank them, I think you're – I don't know if Kay – I assume Kay is going to come in and, and be a starter somehow, so I would assume – Kay and Polster are the starters with Buck. I, I imagine those three are going to be rotating in and out of the starting lineup, depending on who is healthy in matchups. And if you're playing the diamond or the four, two, three, one, because I could certainly see a Polster K Buck diamond uh, behind heel. Um, but you know, Harks is right there as a fourth guy. So um, yeah, I, I think that's my depth chart as of right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. I am. Um, I asked the question to Tom Bogert um, over on, on threads. If anybody's over on threads, um, he, he was looking for some, some questions doing an AMA. So I, I asked him the question, you know, uh, what, you know, what are the revs starting central midfielders, you know, with this new configuration? Uh, and he basically said, you know, based upon, on pedigree and, and Bruce's tendencies, he thinks it's going to be Polster and it's going to be Mark Anthony K starting in a four, two, three, one. I think that makes a lot of sense, but um, but he also said that there's you know Bruce has shown this year that he's willing to you know to to cut bait early and and swap in players uh, who who might be behind players in the depth chart if if performances aren't quite uh, matching up to what he wants them to be and you know the Reds certainly have depth uh, at that position now with with Buck and uh, and Harks and and all of those guys right so. Um, yeah, for me, I th I think the likely starters uh, when the team is is fully available and here and healthy, it's probably going to be uh, Polster and K. But you know, Harks had a great game last night, so I, I think we could see him him come in uh, and and rotate in. And we know Buck is, you know, he has been great all season, so he could come in and, and rotate in. Tommy Mack, of course, getting healthy still. I don't suspect he's super high on the depth chart. Um, uh, I think he's just, you know, unfortunately been supplanted during his energy and in, sorry injury. Um, so, you know, he, he can come in as well. And, you know, we saw Bulma get minutes there last night. Uh, and I, I think we were all kind of when we signed Bulma, we thought he might play a little further up the field. But Bruce said, no, no, he's going to play, you know, central midfield. He'll play as a six, he'll play as an eight. Uh, and we all kind of uh, were confused by that, but I, I thought he he did pretty well considering it was his first uh, first ever regular season minutes. So plenty of depth all the way up and down, um, but I am going to suspect that it's probably Polster and K uh, as as your primary options. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be interesting how they manage Buck because I certainly think he's established himself as a starting quality player, but he's been out with injury the past couple of months. 
I know a lot of people think there's a conspiracy or a, uh, a potential transfer because he's not on the injury report. I don't know why he's not. I don't know why he's not on the injury report. He is hurt. I, I, I've confirmed that with a source. There's nothing transfer related for for Nolbuck as of last Wednesday or whatever whatever it is. Uh, so so maybe that changes in the next few weeks. But as of this recording, uh, I have not heard anything transfer related to, and and I've heard that from some other people too. So Buck is legitimately hurt. He's legitimately nursing a minor injury. Um, why he's not on the injury report, I have no idea. I think I think they just don't want to, um, you know. If I'm speculating, I think he came back for one game, didn't feel great, and the Rev said, "Okay, let's let's n- n- you know not push you too much." Uh, and and so I, I think he could play, but they don't want to uh, uh, put push him into a situation where he's getting hurt in the middle of summer. Uh, if I was to guess, that's my speculation. Um, but when he's healthy, when he's 100, percent he was available off the bench last night. I imagine if this was a closer game, he would have come in. He, he's got a role on this team somehow. You have to get him in somehow. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they manage minutes and if they go opponent to opponent and, and change the lineup or if it's whoever's in form or, I don't know, there, there's a lot of decisions to be made, but it's a very, very good problem to have. And, um, you know, looking at the rest of the transfer window too, I mean, you have Christian McCoon. I don't know what his role on this team is anymore. We talked about Tommy McNamara. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tommy McNamara, I know he's back to training. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a couple of games in the league cup and, and, Maybe they they gauge interest around the league, and that's a guy that's now expendable because you have Harks, uh, yeah, you have Harks here. So, um, and and you mentioned Bulma, Bulma came into the game yesterday, looked pretty solid. We'll talk about Bulma too because we had a couple of questions about him, but um, I believe he got about twenty thirty minutes here. Um, it was already a three nothing game, um, but one thing that I found encouraging was that he wasn't playing wing back. I don't think he's a wing back at all. I know that he's been forced there due to a lack of depth at wing back, uh, but he looked pretty comfortable in the central midfield. He spoke to the press yesterday. Um, he, he mentioned that as well. He, he said that's where he's most comfortable and he feels that's his best position. Um, so uh, nothing too crazy over the top, kind of some simple playing, but he looked a lot more comfortable and a lot more involved in the central midfield. Uh, and just to touch on um, our questions here, Dewan season said thoughts on Josh Bulma's performance. I thought he was pretty good at tackles and passing today uh, and, Teal Forever said uh, Bulma looked way more confident, uh, seeming sparks with his future. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that Bulma looked pretty solid for a first appearance. It's great to see him out there. I don't know how many more minutes he's going to get this season. Um, if I was the Revs, maybe this is a potential you know, guy you send out to the USL championship in a Ryan Spaulding type loan. Um, or maybe there's another major league soccer team that would, would take him on loan for a season, maybe with a purchase option of some sort. Um, he, he was a generation Adidas player. Um, I'd like to see more of him, especially in a position he feels more comfortable because I, I thought he looked perfectly fine. So, yeah, yeah, I'll agree with, uh, with a lot of what you said. I'll, I'll start with Bulma and, and say that I think, uh, he had a pretty, you know, pretty good night. Listen, it's a, it's a debut. Anytime it's your first time stepping on the field in, in major league soccer, you know, I think you get a little bit of a pass if things don't go great. And and to be honest, I think things went pretty well. Um, I think his first pass, uh, maybe his second pass, uh, was was a longer one and it didn't make it to its intended target. But from there, he was very accurate. I think he was, uh, yeah, I see 22 of 23 passing. So that was his only uh, misstep uh, passing. Won both of his ground duels, you know, uh, for for a cameo that that he was making. I, I think he did. He did very well. Um, just to go back and, and quickly touch on, on Noel Buck, the reason he's not on the injury report is because Bruce Arena doesn't think he has to tell anyone anything. <laughs> you know, if you've listened to a press conference of his, you know, he's, you know, he's not giving away any information that uh, he doesn't think you need to have. Well, well, um, it, well it's, it's funny because I was talking about this with someone and I, I and I've I've 
everyone who's listened to this last year knows I'm I'm so annoyed about the lack of transparency with injury reports. I know there's an article in Forbes uh, that I referenced earlier this season where Carlos Seal was out last minute, and and um, the article kind of hit on you know the lack of transparency. And if you're gambling on Major League Soccer, which is going to be a big part of Major League Soccer going forward, especially with the Apple TV deal, you know the lack of transparency on these injury reports is a real problem. It comes out Wednesday. In theory, someone could could get hurt to Thursday or Friday. They don't ever send out. Um, an updated injury report. So, so inherently, it's flawed. Uh, but last year, it seemed really aggressive, where every single game someone was was out or whatever. But with Buck, it's it's interesting because you know it, the timeline here is he gets hurt, I think, around Memorial Day. He's working his way back. Bruce says he's about a week away from coming back. He comes back. He plays in the Orlando game, I think, on uh, June seventeenth. Um, plays 90 minutes, and then we haven't seen him since. And so I, I'm guessing what happened was he came back after the game, you know, maybe a day or two later. He's not feeling great. And, but if, if the refs put him back on the injury list, everyone says, oh, you, you mismanaged this injury. And so I think they were kind of hoping he'd feel better after a week or so. Um, but now it, it has gotten to a kind of comical point where it's like, all right, something's going on here. But but really, I mean, from what I understand, it's just, you know, they're, they're, he, he just needs some rest and, and he's still nursing that injury. And maybe they did bring him back too soon and they just don't want that to be too apparent uh, with the injury report. But, um, yeah, it's it, the injury reporter. It, it's a complete fraud. It's it's uh, I know we I know we tweeted out, uh, but it's um, it, it's a complete joke. Yeah, there's you're not actually learning anything by reading the injury report. Um yeah, and I, I do wonder with you know, like you said, with uh, with sports betting becoming more of a, a prominent thing in in soccer, you know, maybe we'll see some sort of enforcement uh, about making sure that they're slightly accurate. Um, I know the NFL does, or at least used to do, very detailed, accurate uh, injury reports, and you had to list, you know, three times a week, and they had to, you know, had to give a probable versus unlikely versus, you know, questionable tag whatever it happened to be. So I, I wonder with, with sports betting kind of picking up uh, with the Apple TV deal, I wonder if that'll be something that uh, they they try and enforce so that we can actually get reasonable information before the games. But uh, as it is now, I would not expect uh, any player <laughs> to to be completely accurately listed on, on Bruce's injury report. Um, I mean, just, just, list, just listen all as, as questionable. Isn't that isn't that more? Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, and Belichick did. If you're a Patriots fan, Belichick was was very guilty of the same thing. He would just list everyone as questionable, uh, kind of as a little middle finger to the to the rules. But um, but yeah, it 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 very much feels like that's kind of what we're looking at. Is just everyone is is questionable with a leg. Noel Buck just put him questionable for for every game he plays with the Rebs. Just list him as questionable, and it can't be wrong. That's right. Um, Mikey, takeaway. Uh, Carlos Hill, I mean, I, I, what can I say about this guy? Um, phenomenal game. I feel like he's a little overshadowed from the Ian Harks game, uh, but uh, he had another phenomenal performance. Um, he had, oh, let me pull this up. I lost it. Uh, 83% pass accuracy. He was 45 for 54. Five chances created. Uh, he was uh, one for six on crosses, but nine for 13 on long balls, eight recoveries, four for eight on ground duels one. There were a handful of plays, too, that were, they, they go down as inaccurate passes, but um, re- really could have set up something nice. There was one long ball down the wing for Ima Botang, uh, where Ima's in a foot race with the defender. I forget who, which defender it was, but led to a, the defender making a desperation slide tackle and a FEMA is one step faster. Um, he's home free. Uh, the the chip to Ian Harks was brilliant on his, on Ian Harks' uh, second goal. Uh, a beautiful cross to Gustavo Bo. Another two um, assists for um, Carles Hill tonight. He's now leading the league with twelve. Um, looking at 
specifically his home splits, um, phenomenal numbers here. In his last six home games, Carlos Hill has two goals and eight assists. Uh, throughout this entire schedule, uh, including Open Cup games, Carlos Hill has played in 13 home games, uh, notching four goals and eight or sorry, four goals and 11 assists. Uh, the only two teams to not allow a Carlos Hill goal or assist uh, when the Revs are playing at home, FC Cincinnati and the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. And the Pittsburgh Riverhounds uh, was a 20, 25-minute uh, game for Carlos Hill. So Carlos Hill has been money, especially at home this season. He is, I don't think he's going to win MVP, but he is in the MVP conversation right now. He is completely on fire. Uh, and Last night was a perfect game where the Revs are playing on the front foot and they seemingly can do anything at will. Uh, and Carlos Heel is the centerpiece of that. And, and really across the board, phenomenal for phenomenal performances from everyone. Um, but that was a game where Carlos Heel, I think, is uh, kind of the centerpiece of everything and is making everyone around him better. So um, not much you can say. I mean, talking about Petrovic and Carlos Heel, I feel like it's just us going on and on and on about how great they are. Uh, but l- last night, I feel like Carlos Heel is, is going to take a bit of a backseat to the Ian Harks conversation. Um, but but he was a, he had a phenomenal game, and I think it's time we start talking about him potentially being in the MVP conversation. Uh, and, and one more thing, too, um, pulling up his stats, because I know I mentioned his goal and assist contributions and how he's probably going to set his career high in those he, he's now at seven goals and 12 assists on the season last year he had seven goals and 14 assists so we're halfway through the season he's going to pass his goal contributions very shortly uh 2021 four goals 18 assists so that's 22 he's right right now at 19 i mean he, he, he might hit he probably will hit 25 plus goal contributions maybe 30 goal contributions um by the end of the season which is insane um i mean he, he's in the mvp conversation for sure um but i, I feel like with hani mukhtar uh it, it's kind of really taken a back seat and it, it's really just kind of quietly happened over the past month or so yeah well i'm glad you brought up carlos hill because I, I i didn't want him to get overshadowed by ian harks who by the way absolutely deserves all the praise he's getting but um you know i i totally agree like uh <laughs> just I, th- I think it's one of those situations where m- maybe the beginning of the season wasn't when he was was particularly hot and and he's had a very good you know uh last month or two here um that's kept him kind of out of the the forefront of the mvp race but if you look at his stance compared to some of the other guys that are in that race he's he's right up there with them um, and, and I think it's you know to his detriment maybe that uh, the, the pundits or whoever it is that decides on on that sort of thing they started putting their lists together in in March and April and and have only slightly modified them uh, as as time has gone on. Um, yeah, I mean, a fairly pedestrian five chances created for Carlos Hill in this game, just kind of a ho hum game for him. <laughs> Um, you, you know, it's, we get so used to him him putting together uh, performances like this that it, it becomes almost easy to overlook them as, oh yeah, that's just another just another Carlos game where he you know has two assists and creates five chances and he springs a bunch of balls into people that no one is expecting. And so yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought him up. I didn't want him to get overlooked because of course he has uh, an excellent game here, another excellent game. Um, you know, I didn't want him to get overshadowed by by Harks, but uh, but but great game from him overall. We did also get a comment as I'm as I'm literally talking about this. Uh, what now really says Carlos Hill, the wind beneath our wings. As I'm talking about how great Carlos Hill is, and and just to kind of emphasize the this guy might be the MVP kind of point, right? Um, Andy, I'll pop quiz you here. We didn't do this. Do you know who leads Major League Soccer in goals scored as a team? As a team? Oh, as a team. Um, oh gosh, uh, Atlanta. 
Nope. Or is it us? <laughs> nope. No, it's it's not Atlanta, although Atlanta is uh, up there with 42. Okay. Okay. Um, it's actually Columbus with 45. Okay. Yep. That was going to be my, that will be my next guess. I'll say that. St. Louis at 43. Okay. And, and then Atlanta and New England are tied at 42. So you're three goals off from the league lead in, in team goals. I mean, efficiency wise, the team is, is up there in terms of the best offenses in the league. It doesn't feel like it with the rotation at striker with Dylan Barrero out uh, on the wing. I think a lot of people think, including myself before I saw the stat defense is, is your strength. Um, but, but offensively the revs are killing it this season and Carlos Hill is the centerpiece of that. So if that's not MVP stuff, I don't know what is. So um, right. this is me officially declaring we all need to get on the Carlos Hill MVP train. And I don't think he's the favorite right now, but if he keeps up this form and as I say, a lot of his production has come at home. If he starts, you know, bagging assists on the road and if he keeps up this production on the road, um, I mean, it's going to be a really special season. I think a lot of people just might not rem- might, might not think that was coming because at the beginning of the season, it was a slower start than what we expected. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I think we should grassroots this. Uh, everybody email your senators and uh, we'll try and get Carlos Hill at the top of the ballot. Email your senators and tag Andrew Wiebe on Twitter and make him talk about this on extra time. That's right. We can force his hand here. Yes. Before we get into our listener mailbag, though. Uh, I want to take a minute and talk about our sponsor, Galasso Kits. Galasso Kits' mission is to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home with a catalog of jerseys, jackets, scarves, and more from clubs and national teams from over 80 countries in the world. They have United States men's national team merch. They have Revolution merch. They have merch from your favorite European club. They have messy shirts, although don't you dare wear that in the supporter section of the St. Louis City FC fans. Uh, But... Anything you want, Galasso Kits will have it. They will have something you want and need for your closet. Uh, and if you don't know what you want, you can check out their mystery kit packages where you enter the size and style of jersey you like, and Galasso Kits will surprise you with the kit of your dreams. So go to GalassoKits.com today for their full selection. Make sure you follow them at Galasso Kits on Twitter and Galasso Kits on Instagram for updates on their new inventory. And when you find something you like, use promo code REVSRECAP to save 15% off your order. That is promo code REVSRECAP at GalassoKits.com for 15% off your order. Links and code are in the show notes. Heater says, so are we sick or what? I would I would say, yeah, I think I think we've kind of proven the revs are for real. And I think these guys are MLS Cup contenders. Uh, and this is before Sean Calais, uh and Mark Anthony Kay. Um, Andy, any disagreement? The revs are sick? No, they're they're very sick. Um, no, I think they're they're good. I, I, I think we should be considered uh, at or near the top of the league. I don't know if it's uh, if the supporter shield is something that's attainable this year with the with the tear that cincinnati's been on but i would absolutely put us up there in in terms of uh, contention for mls cup this year Ooh, well let's let's hop over to this one uh peter says is the supporter supporter shield race over as of this morning as of bright and early on july 16th or whatever cincinnati has 51 points the revs are at 43 points philadelphia is at 40 points st louis is at 41 points um, I think they all have 23 games played. So Cincinnati is eight points clear. That's pretty impressive. Um, and they don't seem to have any any sense of slowing down. I wouldn't call it over, but I would be surprised if Cincinnati does not win Supporter Shield. Is that a fair statement to make? Yeah, I, I would even go so far as to say it's over. I don't, you know, I, I keep watching their scoreline uh, while the Revs are playing games and, you know, the Revs will score a goal and I'll think, okay, we're up, you know, maybe... Maybe today is the day that uh, Cincinnati doesn't win and we can finally make up some ground and then they, they drop 3-1 on Nashville or whatever it happens to be. And you're right back where you started. Um, 
Yeah, I, and I think furthermore, I also sort of suspect that the Revs' uh, 2021 points record is is in some serious danger here. I think they're on 2.22 points per game, which is uh, above the pace that the Revs were on uh, in 2021. They just added Bupenza, who scored uh, last night in a in a limited appearance. So. Yeah, I, for me, I think it's it's probably out of reach supporter shield this year for the Revs, and um, you know, but that's fine. We should focus on on winning the trophy that everybody really wants, anyways, which is the MLS Cup. I wish uh, we had some supporter cup uh, or sorry, supporter shield um, futures uh, that I could look up, but I just looked up the Revolution right now. They're about ten to one. They are behind Philadelphia, LAFC, and FC Cincinnati uh, in terms of uh, the odds to win. Uh, MLS Cup. Cincinnati is four to one. LAFC is five point five to one. Union is seven point five to one. Revs are ten to one. St. Louis is eleven to one. That's insane for an expansion team. Seattle's twelve to one. Atlanta's fourteen to one. Nashville's fourteen to one. Yada yada yada. So right now the Revs are fourth, uh, fourth, fourth best odds to win MLS Cup. I did not see that coming before the season. Uh, so uh, yeah, team's sick. I'll give them that. We have a lot of pro Harks uh, stuff here. Uh, Mike Kennedy, is it too Harks uh, too early to be a pro Ian Harks podcast? I think we established that at the top. Uh, Andy, very Ian Harks. Although I'm very disappointed he did not keep his goal song of uh, Real American, which apparently was his goal song uh, over in Dundee uh, United. Um, so uh, yeah, disappointed in Ian there, but uh, we won't hold it against him. Uh, can we talk about if Harks is the Messiah or not? Uh, and then Jay says, how much better is Harks than Messi? Everyone focusing on Messi yesterday with the announcement that he's coming to Air Miami, blah, 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 blah. Harks right now, it's Harks 2, Messi 0. Harks is a better goal scorer in Major League Soccer than Messi. I think that's just a proven fact. That's right. Yeah, and I think I saw Ian Harks at a market basket the other day. So take that for what you will. The the um, suburban mass paparazzi is going to be taking photos of Ian Harks, <laughs> checking out with Fruit Loops in his his cart. That's right. Um, Charles Maddox though says uh, performance of the year, and do you think Harksy is the signing of the year? Uh, I well, I, I'll get to the signing of the year in a second. But um, Andy, was this the performance of the year for the reps? Yeah. So I thought about this. I think it was it was probably our most complete performance uh, for sure. Um, I, I don't want to take anything away from from the performance. I don't think DC had a particularly good game, like just from the get go. I don't know if they they caught this on the broadcast, but there were two false starts on the opening kickoff from DC. Like they just couldn't couldn't get it together, even just right from the start of the game. Um, and, and you know they were making errors up and down the field, which uh, you know of course the Reds were were eager and happy to take advantage of. So for me, it's a very complete game. It's up there, I think, for best performances, if if not the best performance. But I mean, I don't think you can complain in any way about a four nothing uh, victory. No, and and uh, the Montreal game comes to mind. The Houston game comes to mind. Um, this game, I, I think, the, the if I wanted to be a negative Nancy, the first twenty minutes, DC was making it a little difficult for them. Um, the first twenty minutes, there really wasn't. They kind of held more possession than the Revs. Um, there are a couple of loose balls in the box early. I, I know there are a couple of free kicks that were dangerous um, that could have found Benteke's head. And if, if one of those goes in, um, it changes the, the, the course of the game. But really from the 20th minute on, I, I thought the Revs did really well. They did a really, really great job working it down um, the left side. Um, I think Burnbaum's injury really affected DC United too. Um, so I, I think you have to kind of take that into consideration too, that maybe DC United was a little bit sloppy in the back because they were missing Burnbaum. Um, so um, yeah, it was... Um... I believe it was uh, Heinzeich who came on for Birnbaum who scores the own goal. So he, he, I don't know that it goes any differently if, if Birnbaum's back there, but, you know, it certainly could. 
and and Einzike, not to pick on him, he did have a couple nice plays. I remember there was Ima Botang uh, sent in a cross for Bobby Wood, which honestly looked like it was going to be a goal, and Einzike makes a diving uh, tackle to stop it. I think Einzike was also the person that, that made the slide tackle on Emo on the play that I was talking about earlier, that Carlos Seal sends him down the wing. So there were a couple of nice moments from him, too, but um, eventually, I think DC United, it was a situation where, um, you know, they were bending, and once they broke, there was no recovering. But um, for, first half, I think you can kind of pick apart the revs and, and kind of say, you know, we, we didn't have a great start, but we finished strong. So, um, But it's up there, certainly, for performance of the year. And even late in the game, I mean, Esmir hits the post. Um, Carlos Hill had a blast that hit the post. Carlos Hill had a shot in the first half, which deflects off Bobby Wood. If Bobby Wood isn't there, who knows if that's going in. So this could have been an uglier scoreline, uh, all, all things to be, to be told. I, I know expected goals don't say that. Um, but, um, you know, the, the Revs certainly had a, a, a good amount of chances. Uh, Gustavo Bo had a shot uh, in the second half that Tyler Miller kind of scurried away. So um, yep. they, they certainly had chances throughout the game. And it was, it was one of the more fun ones to watch. Uh, is yeah. Harksy the signing of the year, Andy? Uh, well, it's actually this gives me a good opportunity to to talk about uh, another thing I wanted to mention. But uh, so I'll say uh, he's up there, but it, it, it's early days. Right. I don't know that I, I'm comfortable saying he's the signing of the year. I would be comfortable giving that to Dave Romney, who on paper didn't actually have a very good game last night. I was looking at his fought mob rating, rating it wasn't very high, um, but just watching the game, he was he was posted up one on one against Benteke for a lot of the evening, uh, and, and I think he did very very well at, at you know kind of locking him up. Uh, I think I tweeted this out at halftime in the first half. I think they had three direct, uh, you know, battles for, for headers, uh, which is kind of one of Benteke's strengths. Uh, and, and Romney won two of those three. I think I stopped counting in the second half at a certain point just because I was uh, too happy from watching all the goals happen. Um, but I think it was 3-3 around the 65th or minute, minute or there uh, about. So, um Pretty good game from from Dave, and I would say that he he's probably deserving of signing of the year, lest we forget. But Ian Harks is certainly um, putting his name kind of in in the hat uh, for that as well. I just I think I want to see more games from him before I'm, I'm ready to say it. Yeah, and, and also I think with Harks we talked about a little earlier. Is he going to get the minutes? Uh, I, I'm not so sure about that. So uh, potential to be the signing of the year, especially if he's able to establish himself as a starter. Um, you know, if box injury is long term or if someone gets hurt and, and the opportunity is there, um, I, I certainly think Harks might win signing of the year just for the bang for his buck. Although we don't know what his contract is. I mean, he might be he might be paid like a starter, too. So we don't know. But I, I think you're, you hit the nail on the head. Dave Romney is putting in a um, potential defender of the year <laughs> type of season. Um, we don't really talk about him too much. I know Seth talked about it a few weeks ago on this show. Um, he's been a rock all season and you mentioned the matchup against Benteke, um, you know, Farrell and Spalding, uh, Brandon by is good in the year, but uh, you, there was a potential for mismatches here, but uh, Dave Romney did a very, very good job uh, in shutting him down. Uh, RF Dawson wanted to give some shout out to uh, uh, Romney too. Uh, Romney is new this year to the team. Uh, think of what we'd have back there without him. When Henry Kessler went down, Omar Gonzalez, uh, he's played every minute and shut down Benteke last night. As of right now, he's the signing of the year. Um, he also says Ian over Latif all day so far, uh, could end up like Phil Haber still. So, um, yeah, but I, I, I think, uh, Benny Phil Haber had, um, uh, a lot more expectations than Ian Harks. Uh, I'll say that. So if Ian Harks, even if Ian Harks, I'll call him a bust quote unquote, um, if he just becomes a depth midfielder, I think that's the role he plays and, and, you know, very small sample size. Um, so I don't want to get too ahead of my skis here, but, um, he seems to fit this, this, depth midfielder spot well 
and um, a lot of people wondered what role he'd fill. I mean, he he seems like a Tommy McNamara bench type guy that you know, 60th minute of the game, you know, if you're taking out Noel Buck, he can kind of come in and, and fill that role just fine. So um, I'm a big fan of the Hark signing too. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, good signing overall. I like. I'm not quite ready to put him put him up there, but I I did want to touch on because we didn't really we talked about his passing earlier on the top of the show. That second goal he hits is sweet. <laughs> you know, I, I know uh, Carlos does a great job getting the ball to him kind of in an open bit of space, but he hits it on the half volley with like kind of the outside of his right boot and it just goes right, uh, right up towards the crossbar. And then uh, that's a pretty, pretty veteran uh, type shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 yeah, it, it was a great shot. And there was a clip too. I think James Downing tweeted it where he, he kind of hits the ball on the, vol- the volley with the outside of his foot. Uh, it's off a corner kick and it kind of just comes to him and it almost like comes out of nowhere, but it has such pace and, and velocity. Uh, and it, it was a similar play um, to what I saw last night where he rockets that ball right off the crossbar. So, uh, but and we talked about his connection with Carlos Hill. Good one-two, making a really nice run. Um, a lot of good things to say about Harks. We don't we don't want to hammer it too hard, but a few more good things about Harks to say. Uh, Josh says uh, so many good things to think of the midfield now. Did anyone besides Greg's Greg the Nostradamus of New England uh, thinks Harks would do as well as he is? Um, I, I'll take that credit. I'll take that credit. I don't think I was too high on Harks. I think I just said that the the social media reaction was a little over the top, which it was. Um, you know, what a concept that uh, just because a guy's dad played soccer uh, doesn't mean he's going to suck. I, I don't know. Anyway, uh, is this going to keep up? And where is Mark Anthony K fitting in with Polster, Harks, and Buck? We talked about that a little bit, so in the interest of time, uh, we'll move on to the next question here. But uh, James Downing says, perhaps if Harks was the only signing of the window, uh, it, it might not be that bad. Uh, I, I still think it would, but I'm here for the banter. Uh, James Downing talking about a lot of people thinking that uh, Harks was the signing of the summer and, and kind of freaking out about that. Uh, but it turns out, even if it was, uh, it, it might be the signing of the year. So um, I, I still think they need Jean Calais, and I'm really excited to see what Jean Calais comes in uh, and, and provides because I do think they need uh, one more winger and one more attacking player because um, I don't know if that – we talked about the Revs being with 42 goals. Is that going to hold up? Uh, I think adding another a- attacker to the mix uh, is going to be uh, a very, very big uh, plus for this team, and I'm really excited to see um, what, he's, what he uh, brings. Um, and then one more question here from James. Does the English version of the Italian surname Vrioni translate to glass legs or was this precautionary? Um, so, uh, Andy, I, I know Bruce Arena was asked about it last night. Um, mild, I think mild muscle strain. It's a leg strain, I believe. I can look up the quote here from Bruce Arena. But are you concerned about Vrioni? He scores a goal and then gone, not available. Um, are you concerned about Vrioni and how often he seems to find his way not in the lineup? Uh, well, I, I guess, uh, I'll break that into two parts. Uh, in terms of this injury, I, he did play on it for a little bit of a uh, time after he sustained it. At a certain point, he, he sat himself down on the field on Wednesday uh, and had to be subbed off. Um, so I'm, I'm not surprised he wasn't playing, uh, last night. Um, and you know, anytime a Rose player gets an injury, you have to make the assumption that they're going to be out for, you know, 12 to 24 months uh, and Bruce isn't going to say a thing about it. So there, you know, there's always that concern um, in terms of, of him missing time earlier in the season. You know, I think that's partially due to injury and, and I think it's partially due to Bruce just not seeing how he fits in at the top of the roster. Right. You know, I, I think he, We've seen him plenty of times be healthy and, and either get you know a substitute appearance or, or not make the, the starting 11 or, or not play at all. So 
you know, I'm not sure that it's 100% an injury concern. He was injured for a big portion of last year, um, which I think kind of hampered his ability to gel with the team. But, yeah, I'm not ready to say injury-prone quite yet as much as, you know, Bruce doesn't feel like he needs to play him, and therefore if he picks up a small knock, I don't think he's getting forced back into the lineup before he's 100%. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100% too. And, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, I think the knock on Vrioni was, man, you know, this guy can't even this guy can't even pass Bobby Wood on the depth chart. This guy sucks. Now it's kind of like, well, Bobby Wood is amazing, you know. Like Bobby Wood, Bobby Wood scores all the time. So you know, of course, Frioni is not. You know, he'll, he'll get his minutes eventually. But uh, you know, Bobby Wood has played pretty well. I mean, a good assist last night. I think I was reading the, the game notes, and and Bobby Wood, his goal and assist contributions is is near the top of the team per ninety minutes. So um, you know, he, he's been a very solid solid player, and I think Frioni and Wood are similar type nine type players, whereas Bo is kind of your roaming player that can kind of go down on the wing, uh, like he did last night. Um, he, he can kind of shift back and forth between uh, kind of that wing uh, or central player. So I, I think Vrioni and Wood are kind of conflicting and take minutes from each other. And personally, I would have liked to have seen Vrioni play. But, you know, if he's not 100%, it's kind of a similar, situa- similar situation with Noel Buck, where if you're Bruce Arena, you're doing well in the standings. You don't need to force a player to go out there in July. Give him a day off. Let him rest. Let him recover. So I, I'm not too... Uh, uh, stressed about this one i would i mean this is just me guessing but i would guess we see him at some point in league's cup i can't imagine he goes a month without playing um and i, I think this tournament would be good for him if he gets some more time uh, without the the pressure of impacting um you know where the revs are in the standings but yeah i i think it'll be fine eric also asked how bad was uh, Vrioni's injury on wednesday the official word from bruce arena after the game quote he had a mild muscle injury so take that what you will i think coming off of 2022 when they you know, allegedly rushed back Bo and they, they had players coming in and out of the lineup. I think this year they're taking a different philosophy of recovery is the best way to go, especially if we're not in a desperate point in the, in the season. So, yes. Yeah. And the Revs have good depth uh, or certainly better depth this year than they had last year. So, you know, I, I think they have taken a much more cautious approach to bringing players back. Uh, I don't think we're rushing anybody back uh, from injury this year. And we, we were able to do that because we have, you know, enough in the tank uh, in terms of substitute players that can come on and, and give you performances that, that we don't need to. So that's, you know, I think that's where it's at. Uh, getting on to some other good, good performances of the night. Uh, Jeff says Spalding's best game of his career. The announcers sure, sure the announcers sure thought so. Uh, and then Steve also says Hark Spalding and Renix had decent nights enough to see more of them. I'd say I'll, I'll uh, Andy, I don't know if you have any disagreement. Yeah. I'd say that's Spalding's best game so far. Um, I think that would have been a good game by Dewan Jones standards. I think this game really matched what his skill set, which is getting up uh, in the attack. Uh, and he didn't have too many defensive responsibilities. Um, I, I still think um, defensively a question mark, uh, especially in the air. There were a couple of times he seemed to be matched up in the box against someone like Benteke or, you know, and I was like, this could get ugly, but luckily he was not tested too, too much. Um, but uh, overall, I, I thought, um, you know, having his him get up, uh, the the play in the 52nd minute where uh, Bo kind of lets him down, go down the left wing uh, and uh, Spalding's in a foot race and he kind of beats his man and is able to uh, kind of curl a shot and he goes just wide of the far post. Phenomenal play. Wish it went in. Um, I, I have a number of good things to say about Spalding. I would say his best game of his career. Any any disagreement with that? No, actually, before uh, Ian Harks kind of took the game by the scruff of the neck, my, my key takeaway was going to be that that Ryan Spalding had a very good game uh, and, and, you know, 85 percent passing 
uh, four of four successful dribbles. Uh, defensively, he did well. He won his, you know, he won one of one tackles, had six recoveries. So, you know, it's it's a good game from him, uh, and probably the best I've seen of him in in a limited run. And it's kind of unfortunate that it's probably going to be the one right before we get Dewan Jones back for you know for the rest of the season. So we may not see him as much. But it's good to know that we have, you know, a player uh, that's that's capable of putting in a performance like that. And he was seven for seven on ground duels, too. It's worth noting that. So uh, defensively, I still think a bit of a question mark, but in a game where he can kind of be aggressive uh, and, and kind of push up, um, you know, and defensively, he was pretty solid last night. Long term, do I think he would I feel comfortable with him starting? I don't know about over a full season, um, but he's proven. I think he is very fit for this role. He's proven it at League One. He's proven it at the championship, USL championship level. Uh, he he seems to have fit in very well, uh, and and he's put in a very good performance. And I know it's been hit or miss with him so far, but for a backup left back, he fits the bill. He, he's on the supplemental roster. He's a perfectly capable uh, backup left back for this team. So it's going to be interesting what happens next season because you have Peyton Miller behind him, uh, who, who's going to be moving up to the first team. So uh, I'm curious to see, because I think you exercise his option, um, it'll be curious to see how the Revs play it, if he's traded to a different team, if he gets an opportunity elsewhere, if they loan him again. It's going to be interesting to see, because I, I think he's a, a good player, and it's going to be interesting um, how they decide to best utilize him. So uh, Steve, though, says, Hark, Spalding, and Renix had decent nights. Nights. Enough to see more of them, uh, and we'll talk about Spalding and Renex because we've talked about Harks enough, I feel. Um, you're right, Dwan Jones coming back. Um, and, and in terms of Justin Renex too, um, he had a pretty solid game, too. His cross led to the own goal. Um, he seemed to beat some people uh, down the field on some long balls, uh, putting a lot of pressure on DC United late in the game. I thought he had a pretty nice showing, uh, all things considered. Uh, do you think Spalding or Renex are going to win any more minutes uh, because of their performances last night? I, I think they they did themselves some favors uh, last night. I don't know that they're going to. You know, I don't think that Spalding's performance puts him ahead of Dewan Jones. I think it probably puts him ahead of Ben Sweat uh, in terms of preferred backup. Uh, and then and Justin Rennick had a great game. Um, I will. I'm going to give a lot of credit to, to Bruce on this one because if you know anything about Rennick, he's got you know work rate for days. And at that point in the game when he was subbed on. Um, you know, DC was was not really into the whole let's sprint back anymore thing. Uh, I think there were three or four plays, both with with Renix and I think later with Esmir Bayertarevich, where they, you know, the Reds would feed a ball kind of up their attacking right flank, and DC's left back or whoever uh, I think they play a three back, so whoever was supposed to cover that space just not particularly interested in, in the sprint back. So I think that was a way that, uh, that the Revs found some success. And it was, it was the kind of play that led to the, the own goal that, that Renex creates. So um, a good game from him. I don't know that he's supplanted anybody uh, on, on the depth chart from it though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Spalding and Renex good performances, but I don't think anything changed in terms of their role on the team, but uh, very good performances from them uh, yesterday. Uh, Alfred also says, feeling much better after last night's Spalding performance about outside back depth. Great game from him. Uh, quite a few first times in the first half, however, Spalding ended up central, sometimes marking Benteke in a mismatch uh, with both Romney and Farrell uh, out on the wing. What was going on here? The two instances I'm going to highlight, actually the first one's going to be on a free kick. It's not going to be kind of from the run of play, but there was one time where I think it was eighth minute, uh, Klitsch gets a header uh, off of a free kick. He wasn't really challenged too much it looked like um 
he was between Ima and Spalding, uh, and that's kind of why I mentioned Spalding in the air. Maybe not so great. Uh, if it was a better header, again, that might go in. Uh, the, the game completely changes. So, uh, and and I believe in Spalding's first game was against uh, Toronto FC, where uh, he just gets completely uh, toasted on a header. Um, so I, I think uh, aerial ability is an area that uh, Ryan Spalding could work on. Again, he, he was he's naturally a left winger, if I believe right. So he's he's kind of more of a wing back. Defensive is not his best spot, but. Um, there was another time too where I think Romney pushed up. There's a few times Romney was like up, uh, up the field. There was one time I think he touched the ball in the box uh, where yep. he had, had the chance to turn and shoot, but I think he was a little surprised the ball came to him. Um, so Romney was pushed up a lot, um, and and I think the Revs were really playing on the front foot a lot. So I think Spalding ended up in the middle of the field. There were were a few times, and there there was one time where. Uh, I think Romney had to push out to the wing or, or, or Farrell came across and covered whoever was running down the right and Spalding had to kind of get back and, and he was on Benteke. And uh, there were a few times where Spalding kind of from the run of play just ended up covering and centrally. Um, so I, I don't know if that was tactical or if that was just someone getting caught out of position in emergency defending, uh, but that's not ideal. Uh, it's not ideal. And so I, I, I don't know. I, I, I chalk that up as just the Revs being a little overly aggressive in possession. Yeah, I would agree. I, you know, I, I was paying particularly close attention to how uh, Benteke and Romney were were kind of matching up against each other. Uh, and and for the first, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 minutes of the game, it, it was pretty clear that Romney's instruction was, OK, you're you're going to mark Benteke. You're going to follow him around. You're going to try and keep him you know, from from getting anything too too serious going. Um, and I think D.C. made an adjustment at kind of to avoid that because I think they had a little bit of uh, trouble getting the ball into Benteke uh, with, with Romney on him. So I saw them, them kind of shift him a little further out wide. And I know that they, you know, Romney was kind of uh, pushed out wide for, for portions or pushed further up the field, leaving, you know, kind of uh, Spalding and whoever else to, to mark Benteke. But I think that was a concerted effort that, that DC made was to get Benteke kind of against players with maybe a shorter stature who couldn't you know jump up quite as high to get their head on the ball. By the way, Benteke, six shots yesterday, only one on target. Uh, and I believe his one shot on target was the longest one of the game, uh, which uh, Petrovic kind of sa- saved uh, mm-hmm. kind of easily, kind of falling to his left. So uh, good good performance overall from the Revs defense and shutting down uh, what is an all-star player in, in Christian Benteke. So. Um, right. Pete says, I would love, I love how Bruce is managing minutes and games for our young guys between revs, revs too. Would love to hear your thoughts on time management of the kids. Andy, what are your thoughts on time management of the young players? You know, it's funny. We, you know, we always think that Bruce is a player or sorry, Bruce is a coach that, that only wants to play the veteran players and, you know, his signings uh, look like they reflect that, but he's been very good in the last couple of years at at trying to find minutes to develop the youth players here, you know, whether it's, it's Buck or it's, you know, uh, Baric or, you know, any of the young, young players we have come up through the system. Bulma got minutes last night. Right. Um, you know, I, I think he's been, he's, he's done a good job of, of finding ways that we can get those players into real game minutes. Um, you know, in the middle of a, a four, nothing route against DC United, you know, maybe they're not super meaningful minutes, but they're, they're good, and and they they help those players kind of get a feel for uh, w- what the games are like uh, without you know having to worry too much about things going horribly awry for them. So it's uh, I, I think he's done a good job managing uh, managing those youth players, uh, those young players, and, and making sure that they get a chance to prove themselves. And also you know it's to the benefit of the team, right? Because we now get a chance to see 
how they how they develop and you know they they can't develop without real minutes so it's it's to everybody's benefit and you know uh, hats off to bruce for for finding a way to to get him in the field and it might be an interesting question to look at post leagues cup to see how much youth he plays and how much rotation he plays in leagues cup i certainly think they'll they'll take the group stage seriously i i don't think i think sean made this point last week you don't want um too too long of a break so if you get knocked out after your first two games you have about a month off uh, so I, I think they do take it a little bit seriously and Andrew Farrell actually noted in the post-game press conference that there are some nice player bonuses for wins uh, in the League's Cup so I imagine that they'll be taking it seriously but it's going to be interesting to see if we see more youth uh, over the next few weeks and I just want to point out Esmir hit the post yesterday that was I believe a three-on-two or a three-on-three fast break with Esmir, Justin Rennicks, and Damian Rivera running down the field so I thought that was uh, pretty interesting and Damian Rivera had a nice shot kind of at the depth uh, or kind of kind at the death. Um, Justin Rennicks chases down a long ball, leaves it for Damian Rivera, who kind of puts the ball on his right foot and blasts a shot. It was saved, uh, but it was still a nice play to see. And he could have laid the ball off for Esmir. We almost saw an Esmir goal twice uh, last night. If Damian Rivera passes it, I imagine Esmir finishes it. So uh, Gustavo Bo, we haven't talked about him yet. Derek says, thoughts on Bo's performance. He had a nice goal and seemed to play on the wing a lot. What do you make of that? Uh, yeah, he had a nice goal. It was, it was a very Gustavo Bo performance, right? It was, um, you know, he was trying to find him find his way on the ball uh, and, and you know trying to put shots on goal some of those didn't really pan out you know some of those I, I think I'm thinking of one in particular where he he shoots it and I, I think it either went out of bounds or it bounced off somebody and went out of bounds and it just like it didn't work um, but he finds he finds the goal right he finds that header which he you know starts that play he finds Carlos heel and he makes the run into the box he gets his head on it. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that's what Gustavo Bo does is he's kind of relentless. He doesn't mind so much if he misses, he's always going to get another chance. Uh, and he, he just keeps going. Uh, and you know, that produces results for, for the refs, uh, as to playing out on the wings, I, I think he, you know, Bobby Wood gives him a good opportunity. It's a good pairing for him. Cause I think it, it gives him a little bit more flexibility in terms of where he actually wants to pick up the ball and move. Um, Bobby Wood is is happy to play more centrally, and you know you can kind of play into him as a hold up guy, and and he'll distribute from there. Uh, if you look at Bo's pass map, he's he's all over. He you know he's playing on the left wing, he's playing on the right wing, and, and a little bit more uh, in the in the middle of the field. But you know I think just having that uh, that freedom to kind of roam around is is what he prefers. I think that puts him in his best spots, and uh, you know it was good for him to get that goal last night because there there were a couple of bad misses. And if you're playing a four-two-three-one, Bruce will tell you that that's just a starting spot. You know the the lineup yesterday. You have Ima Botang, who's going to hug that uh, the touchline down there on the left wing. There was a really good you know gap of time, especially in the first half, where they're just pushing it down the left, and that allows Bo to kind of instead of playing right wing, kind of play a lot more centrally, which is where you want him to be. So I, I think the formation yesterday and the ability to kind of exploit that left wing really played into the Revs' ability to get him a little more centrally, too, uh, and not just out on the wing, which is where I think he's a bit of a stronger player, kind of as a second-striker hybrid-type uh, player. So uh, Rachel says, do we think Bruce will play? Will take League's Cup seriously? I mentioned there are some sick player bonuses, per Andrew Farrell. He was asked about it and how it compares to MLS Cup yesterday uh, and, and, you know, which, cu- which, which cup you're taking more seriously or... I forget the exact question, but... Uh, Bruce Arena, here's the exact quote. We want to try and win some games, so get out of group play. I'd probably say MLS Cup is a little bit bigger uh, than League's Cup. That is your your insight from Bruce Arena. Um, I, I think this is more a matter of you don't want a month off, so you want to make sure you get out of group play. Do I think Bruce Arena will have nightmares 
about the missed opportunity of League's Cup 2023 if they don't win? No. So I, I think uh, I, I would say that he's going to take it seriously, but I do not think this is going to be an all eggs in the basket type of a competition. Andy, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I think he treats this uh, competition as, you know, in the greater context of how does it get us closer to MLS Cup, right? That's been his goal since he got here. Uh, you know, the Supporter Shield was nice. It was a great season. I don't think he was particularly thrilled to get the Supporter Shield and nothing else that year. Um, so, yeah, I would suspect that uh, the Revs, you know, give it some effort. They try and, you know, keep the momentum going of, of playing some games and not having to worry about a month off. I think he probably uses it to to see what he's got in some, you know, in some younger players or some depth players, uh, you know, and I, I think it's all of the mindset that, OK, how does this competition help us determine how best to play for MLS Cup? Mm-hmm. Uh, Porter has a handful of questions here that I'll, I, I think I can just rapid fire through them, but uh, he asks about what happened to Vrioni's hand. Did he get injured in practice? Again, minor muscle injury. Um, that's all we know from Bruce, so we'll see. We'll see if he's available for League's Cup um, or if he's on the injury injury report. Who knows if he's even on the injury report? Maybe he'll be listed as questionable. Uh, will Thomas Chocolet have to be a designated player if he signs next year? He is if the Revs exercise a purchase option. Um, Tom Bogart confirmed that. Uh, there's a $3 million purchase option, so his salary plus um, purchase option of $3 million is going to be more uh, than the, I guess, um, max TAM amount of $1.65 million. You can go back to our salary cap episode uh, if you want to learn a little bit more about the stupid rules. But basically, yes, uh, they're, they're going to have to use a designated player spot uh, on him if they exercise the purchase option. I believe if it's just loan, he fits within the salary budget, so it's not an issue there. Um, would it be worth it to exercise the option on Bobby Wood and flip him for easy cash? I certainly think that could be an option that the Revs do. Either way, they're exercising uh, the player option on Bobby Wood in this offseason, uh, but I imagine a team might be interested in Bobby Wood if they have issues uh, with strikers up front, and he's on a team-friendly deal. Uh, and then he also says, uh, if the messy deal explodes, subs to Apple TV and the salary cap is raised, what signings do you expect after the Revs win MLS Cup 2023? I don't know if the salary cap is raised or if just a, a good a, a handful of re- revenue goes to the players. It might go to the salary cap. Um, I'd have to double check that. Um, I feel like that's a CBA issue. Uh, but either way, um, I, I, I think the Revs, you'll see a lot more, I'll say million dollar signings uh, in the future for the Revs uh, of guys who are kind of like, I'll say Sebastian Legette, but um, you know, looking at like Dave Romney, I mean, maybe he gets a raise to a million dollar player. I think you see a lot of veterans across the league, um, not just for the Revs, but I think you see a lot of players in the league go from half a million to a million dollars and, and maybe some players kind of stay with their teams a little bit longer um, because I, I, I don't think designated players or TAM or GAM is changing. I think it might actually just go to, I'll say, the MLS veterans, uh, you know, signing uh, more bigger contracts. So I wouldn't get too, too excited about that uh, if the salary cap is raised. And I can't imagine it's raised very much, but who knows? I don't know the specific details about that. Uh, Andy, any, any comments on anything there? Yeah, I don't know any. I, I haven't dug too deep into the CBA negotiations and how the the TV deal uh, changes any of that. Um, but yeah, we've seen Bruce more than happy to give uh, you know substantial pay raises to veteran players uh, before. So I suspect probably more of that. Um, you know, we could we could see some additional signings in that million dollar range. Uh, to your point, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just used mostly to help retain uh, senior players and, and keep them happy. Yeah, Gam and Tam, I think, are pretty set through like 2028. So if there is a salary cap raising, um, essentially, it doesn't impact the amount of uh, money you can get over 650000 So I, th- I think 
Gam and Tam might be play, applied a little differently. Uh, maybe the math kind of works out a little little bit differently, but um, I don't know. It, it Really what they need to do is they need to expand the rosters a little bit. If I was being completely honest with you, I think that going from a 30-man roster to a 35-man roster and, and adding, you know, two or three more senior spots and, or, and, you know, two or three supplemental roster spots is kind of needed for this team right now or for the league right now. Um, but anyway, I digress. That's another conversation for another day. Uh, James Downing says, uh, do you think Messi's arrival will herald league-wide rule changes or benefit the whole uh, to benefit the whole, or is this just a one-off good for the league rule bend akin uh, to Dempsey, Adu, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I, I don't, again, CBA is locked in place for a long time, so I don't see any fourth designated player or any, you know, Messi, you know, coming in and, and asking for, you know, three of his friends from Barca to come in. And, and so they have seven DPs. I don't think all the owners will get on board with that. So, um, and, and the other two with designated players is, you know, right now, the way the rules are specified, major league soccer could have the 59 most expensive players. Uh, actually, no, not 59. What's 29 times three 57. No, that's my, that's terrible math. I don't know the math. 60 29 times three yeah oh that's i'm way off uh, what 87 87 right why did i say 57 i think i was doing times two i don't know anyway it's very early guys give me a break we learned today greg can't do math this is gonna be this is gonna be all over oh, geez. <laughs> the so you can have almost 90 um of the the most expensive players in the world playing in major league soccer right now with doesn't the designated player rule there's there's unlimited money it's completely circumvents um the salary cap so um you know the designated player rule is fine i've seen people say get rid of the designated player rule with messi coming in the designated player rule is why messi's in here so um I, I think the owners need to catch up to that rule of you can spend whatever you want on on designated players and i know some teams like the revolution are kind of more about building up the youth players and whatnot um so i i, I think the way the rules are structured now the real thing that's holding the league back is the lack of owners using those designated player spots to their best and fullest ability. Um, so I, I don't think Messi is going to change anything, um, but we'll see. What are your thoughts, Andy? Yeah, I don't. I, as of now, I don't see any real changes uh, coming. I think if we were going to see him, we probably would have had some hints already. Um, I, I would keep a you know. Keep a close eye on, on Miami's transactions. I think they're they're probably going to find a way to do everything above board, especially since there was so much scrutiny uh, on their roster from having five DPs just a few years ago. Um, but uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how they manage to get um, you know Messi and then however many other big name players they want to get on the team uh, actually on the roster. But um, yeah, I don't see any any roster changes as of right now. Agreed. Uh, Teal Forever says, with the increasing crowds, uh, increasingly engaged and knowledgeable atmosphere I've seen develop in my 10 years as a fan, do we need a, a, a soccer-specific stadium anyway? Uh, not meant to be a leading question, but I'm coming around to know. Um, I think the appeal to a soccer-specific stadium is the quality of players you get. Talking about Messi, you're never going to get Messi playing at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. Um, you know, you're, you're never going to get a Cristiano Ronaldo playing in Patriot, you know, next to Patriot place, but in Boston, maybe, uh, I do think the increased crowds are interesting. I know that everyone points out the youth soccer night thing. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe I think the equation here is maybe you don't build a 20,000 seat soccer specific stadium when you do, I shouldn't say when, if you do, uh, maybe you, you increase that to 25,000. Yeah. I, I, to answer his question. Yeah. I think you still need a soccer specific stadium. Uh, you know, I don't be too reductive about it, but, um, 
you know, we're seeing a lot of good attendance this year. Uh, Just as far back as last year, we had some nights that were pretty poor attendance. Even this year, we've had a few games where there's been pretty poor attendance. And I think if you put a stadium in in Boston where people can get access to it uh, either by car or by public transportation in the most populous city in, in the region, I think you'd probably have a better chance of filling that stadium game over game and and the atmosphere increases. And and to your point, more players are interested in playing that sort of environment. So I I think, yeah, I still think it's a, it's a need for the Rams, um, but I am happy to see, you know, great attendance so far this year. Sunday afternoon fullbacks asked us a pretty good question that I think could be its own podcast. uh, And and we're already over an hour. So I'm going to try to keep this a little short, but what are your top five most enjoyable regular season games in Rebs history? Now, I'm going to preface this by saying that I have probably started following the Revs week in, week out for about 10 years. Um, And the first five of those were pretty miserable outside of the 2014 MLS Cup. So I'm going to edit this to the top five most enjoyable regular season games throughout the length of our podcast, um, which goes back to 2018. um, Because I think that's kind of the era that I and I, I was listing off games last night. That's kind of the era I remember, I would say, the most. There's more. There's obviously recency bias there, but also just I, I, I would really struggle to think of any enjoyable games from 2015 to 2017. So uh, I'm just going to list off a bunch. And uh, Andy, if, if you can think of any uh, in that time span or before we can. And I'll, I'll post this on Twitter, too, because I'm sure we'll get some good nominations. I wish Sean was here because he'd give us all the MLS 1.0 games that were very satisfying. But um, here's the list I got, and uh, these are not ranked in any sort of order, but uh, this year in Atlanta, the 3-3 draw. Uh, I couldn't really think of much in 2022. It was a pretty miserable season, but 2021, I have a bunch. Uh, 2021, the 2-2 draw in Orlando where Buxa came off the, the bench, allegedly injured, and sc- scores a late brace to uh, come away with a point. Uh, the 5 nothing game over Miami. The one nothing game in Philadelphia, which ended with Henry Kessler chucking the ball into the stands. Um the Revs winning 3-2 to in uh, New York against Red Bulls, uh, which I believe they were losing with like 10 minutes to go. And uh, Adam Buxa essentially blocks a shot and then finish it uh, in stoppage time to win the game. Um, the 3-2 game at New York City FC when Matt Turner stands on his head. Those were all 2021. 2020 was a dream because of COVID. But uh, 2019, the 2-2 draw in Portland where the Revs score twice late. Uh, that had a big playoff implications late in the season uh, that essentially helped them get in it was a very key point uh the 4-4 draw at sporting kansas city which was a fun game to watch uh bo's first game in vancouver uh that was 2019 shortly after uh bruce arena came in um obviously with the goal uh off of the carlos hill corner uh 2018 i was thinking back obviously i'm I'm gonna miss a lot because i'm thinking back hard but the game 2-1 game at home against colorado uh tierney scores on a last second free kick and matt turner had a big pk save that was matt turner's kind of coming out party um, the game against Montreal in the rain where Andrew Farrell scores his first goal. I believe that was a blowout. Um, so those are some games that I remember going back to 2018. Um, top five, I, I don't know. I, I'd have to really sit down and think about which ones I'd rank. But those are the satisfying games, I would say, that I've had the most fun, especially recording a podcast right after, uh, in terms of enjoyment. And, and someone mentioned in the comments, too, the 5 nothing game against Seattle. Uh, that was actually one of the first games I've attended. Uh, so that was a lot of fun to watch. That was back in 2014. So I, I'm sure I'm missing a ton pre-2018. And I'm sure I'm missing a few in between. But So if anyone wants to reply on Twitter or threads, uh, let me know what games I missed in terms of satisfaction. Andy. Is there anything I missed uh, that you can think of? 
Uh, no, that's a that's a pretty good list. I've been watching uh, the Revs week in week out probably for about the same amount of time as you. So my list is you know it, it includes most of them. <laughs> I will maybe add the um, Bruce Arena's first game uh, as head coach on the road against the LA Galaxy. I think it was a two one win against the Zlatan Ibrahimovic's. Um, uh, so that one that one might get an add. I think you mentioned the the three two victory on the road at, at NYC where Matt Turner stands on his head. Um, that was, you know, that's that's one that sticks out in my memory as well. So, yeah, lots of lots of good games we've had uh, the pleasure of watching over the last couple of years. It was interesting to try to think back to last season. There really wasn't. I think they won three nothing in Orlando, um, which was an unexpected win, which felt great and kind of maybe thought that that was a turning point. But overall, I think in hindsight, it was false hope. So um, I, I tried blocking out most of 2022. That was really a miserable <laughs> season all the way around. Yeah, most of us have. Before we go, I know we're already over an hour. This might be a, a little bit quick, but a big trade uh, overall. I, I don't have too many thoughts on it. Uh, we, we've talked about how Mark Anthony K is going to fit into this team, but Latif Blessing traded for Mark Anthony K. Uh, Latif and an international spot. Latif is occupying an international spot, so essentially his spot is going with him. Latif going to TFC. Mark Anthony K coming to the Revs. It is worth noting that Mark Anthony K is more of an expensive player. He made 700000 in 2022, 750 in 2023 in salary and total compensation. Latif is, I believe, six fifty around that mark. So it's about $100,000 more. And uh, you know that, that salary might be increasing too. It doesn't look like it's a flat contract. Um, also, Mark Anthony K's contract runs through 2025 with a 2026 club option. So it's a little bit more of an expensive contract, an additional year on top of that. Andy, uh, grade the trade. Uh, what are your thoughts overall? Uh, yeah, I think you guys asked this on Twitter. I gave it a B there. Um, it's a tough one to say, right? Because we, you know, I think both Latif and Mark Anthony K have been players that have pedigree, that have, you know, great seasons, both with LAFC and then in recent uh, memory, they've somewhat underperformed uh, in, in recent games. Uh, you know, if you go and you read through the comments of basically any Toronto FC game thread, it's... You know, they're they're not super pleased with with what they've gotten from from Mark Anthony K. But um, I think Bruce said uh, when he was asked about it uh, that they wanted to bring in someone who's, you know, got more ability to to tackle players off the ball and, and win possession in the midfield. And that's something that that K's done a lot of this year. And, and honestly, I agree that might be something that the Reds maybe need a little bit more than than what they were getting from Latif, which I, you know, I would classify as kind of more engine and uh, and trying to win duels and things like that. Um, so, you know, I think it could be a better fit uh, with K here. I, I think it could be a better fit with, with blessing in, in Toronto as well, right? They need players uh, with that sort of engine to just kind of, you know, with the work rate in, in midfield. I think that's been a concern of theirs uh, as well. So, you know, it, a change of scenery for both players, uh, both players put into a, a position that I think makes a little bit more sense for them. Um, they both kind of underperformed, but uh, you know, we'll see if if the change in scenery is, is the thing that helps them both. Yeah, I think this is a B. I'll grade this as a B as well. I, I think this is a good buy low for the Revs. It's worth pointing out that last year, Mark Anthony K was traded for a million uh, dollars in GAM, uh, a player in Ralph Prizo, an international spot, and then a first round draft pick uh, in, in 2023. So that was last July. So in a year, uh, he, he went from all of that, that giant package to Latif Blessing, who truth be told, with Ian Harks, especially now that I've seen Ian Harks a little bit, <clears throat> with Ian Harks in the mix uh, and, and Tommy McNamara coming back. And Latif Blessing, I think, kind of played his way out of the lineup anyway. I felt stronger with Noel Buck in there. Uh, so Ian Harks has come in. 
Um, I like Harks more than I like Latif Blessing. I would have been fine with Latif Blessing as a salary dump, if I'm being honest with you. When I heard Latif Blessing was being moved, I said, you know, maybe we're getting some allocation money. Uh, maybe maybe we're getting something, you know, just a little bit of money, I guess. It, it seems like he's just expendable at this point. Instead, they're getting Mark Anthony K, which I think is a really, really good buy low. Um, obviously, TFC fans not too happy, but that team has been a disaster all year, and certainly he was surrounded by all of the drama uh, internally. So I think this is a really good fresh start opportunity for, for Mark Anthony K. And I think he might fit in with the Revs very, very well. Um, but that contract through 2025, um, if his his play has dropped off, it might be a little concerning. We might be regarding this contract in 2025, paying a a, uh, a guy over the the 650 limit uh, and having to spend allocation money on him for the next three years. Um, you know, we we might regret this. A little bit down the road, but I think in win now mode, especially if you know if Matt Polster gets hurt, you have a real big issue there in the defensive midfield if you're playing the diamond. So I, I think Mark Anthony K is a good fit for this team and really just adds to the depth overall in central midfield. And you lose someone that I don't think was really contributing a ton anyway and, and seemed a little bit expendable. So um, fine with this trade overall, a little risky, but um, I, I give it a solid B. And I, I, I think this is this has a uh, it could be a bigger win for the Revs than for TFC. I'll put it that way. I was just going to say, I, no, I was just going to say, I completely agree with, with all of that. Um, and, and I don't want to make it sound like I, I think Latif uh, did too, too poorly here. Um, but I will say his, his play seemed to drop off. It seemed like he was a little bit slower to react in the midfield. So um, yeah, I, I think he, he could be a player that we would have been looking to move on from anyways. So I think it makes sense to, to bring in someone like Kay in, in replacement. His last action as a revolution player was getting red carded for kicking an opponent in the groin. So <laughs> Thanks for the memories, Latif. <laughs> uh, Andy, any final thoughts uh, before we leave? And also, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, um, you know, it's always good to come on, uh, come on the podcast. Thanks for having me on, uh, especially after a big four nothing win against uh, no less than than DC United, who's probably my least favorite team in the league. So that's always good. Uh, people can check out my work uh, at Boston Sports Nation. It's bossportsnation.com. If you click on the, the Revolution banner, you'll find all my content there. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Andy Revs Nation, and I now have a Threads uh, account as well. You can follow me there. Uh, I, I was on vacation last week uh, when threads uh, kind of became a thing. So my content there is a little bit lacking, but I'll, I'll pick it up soon. Uh, I'm on there at Andy Revs Nation as well. So um, yeah, give those give those a check. Give me a follow on, on both if you don't already. And uh, I really appreciate it. Also, I have a bonus question because I, I totally forgot about this question. Uh, it came in midweek, so I'm behind on this one. Sorry. Sorry to Matt on Instagram who actually DM'd this last week and I promised we'd get it on the show. I got to squeeze it in here. Uh, but he says, I was wondering your thoughts about uh, De Gea leaving uh, Man United and their previous rumors of interest in Petrovic uh, and Petrovic stating that he only wanted to go to a team where he will start. Andy, I'm springing this on you mid-show. Um, but any any uh, thoughts on the Manchester United situation uh, and if that might indicate that Petrovic uh, could go there? Uh, you know, I, I don't follow I, – I hate to be this guy. I don't follow English soccer all that much. I know that's a weird uh, thing to be a, a soccer fan who mostly follows MLS. So I don't know too much about the intricacies of, of their uh, their roster build. Uh, I know that um, that Petrovic said he wants to go somewhere he's going to start. I think he's of a caliber that could start in, in EPL. So I think that's probably, you know, it's not a, a league that's off limits per se. But um, I, I want to say, maybe I'm misremembering or maybe it was a different team, but I thought they were also uh, potentially looking at another uh, keeper from, from Italy. But I could be mistaken on that one. I might be thinking of a different team. 
I'll also say Manchester United is going to go into the season with a, 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 a solution at goalkeeper. And for the revolution, there's you're going to have to really make an offer that's above and beyond uh, to take Petrovic from this team right now. So uh, I would guess I'd put it at a very, very low percentage uh, that, that Petrovic is going to Manchester United in the summer. Um, I think what we'd see is a tra- if, if there's a transfer arranged this summer is a transfer and a loan back uh, like we saw um with Tejan Buchanan. So uh, I'm not too concerned about Petrovic. I think Petrovic is staying this year, no matter what, unless again, the Revs get an absurd offer. So um, not, not reading too heavily into that. And I think that's my conclusion. So um, anyway, Andy, thank you for uh, joining us today. Um, follow Andy on social media, uh, follow him on threads. Make sure you follow us on threads too. We're there. Uh, we're trying to be active on there. It is a, an okay site so far, but we will take questions on threads. So if you're a Revs threader, we will we will be there um, for the time being. Um, it is an okay site, uh, but we will also be on Twitter. So follow us on Twitter at Revolution Recap. Also follow our Instagram and Facebook pages. Be sure you follow our friends at the Blazing Musket for year-round coverage of the team. Make sure you follow our friends at the Rebellion on Twitter or go to anyrebellion.org to learn more about them. And make sure you check out our sponsors, Galasso Kits. Use promo code RevsRecap for 15% off your order at Galasso Kits. And again, this show is presented to you by uh, Bet Online. Thank you to Bet Online uh, for presenting the show. And also make sure you use promo code Believe. B-L-E-A-V for a 50% bonus, a welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, and also, please make sure you are subscribed to us on iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we are at 62 uh, reviews on Spotify. So if you haven't left us a review on Spotify, we would appreciate one or seven more. Uh, make sure you review us on iTunes also or wherever you listen. Reviews are always, always appreciated. Uh, and we'll be back next week uh, actually a bunch of us at the blazing musket are going down to the all-star game so if you're going to the all-star game uh, in dc uh, shoot us a dm uh, maybe we can grab a beer uh, but uh, when we get back from our drunken debauchery uh, we will be back following i believe there's a league's cup game next weekend um, i believe so we'll be back following that i think thank you everyone for listening and go refs